Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for a new episode of Ladies Night. This is Peacemaker Round 2 because I love this show. I love this cast. and I'm a big fan of Danielle Brooks. Hello. Congratulations. And welcome to Ladies Night. Thank you for having me, Perry. I'm glad to join you. So you did not get warned about our first order of business on Ladies Night. We play with this dice tower behind me. I've got eight random questions here and you get three rolls on the tower and whatever I roll for you, that's where we start at least. Okay, let's do it. All right. First one up. Going with the number three. Number three is never again. What is something that you did for a role that now makes you say, I'm really glad I did that then, but never again? Oh my gosh, something I did for a role. Um, okay, well, something I did for an audition once was put um, like a ring, a fake ring here. And I tried to put one here and here and here. And in the middle of the audition, they all fell out and it was horrible. <laughs> It just was like everything was going wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's understand. I feel like I'd be very self conscious with with stuff like that on me. I'd be terrified that would happen. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> All right, roll number two now. We are going with a number eight. Yeah, I'm happy I landed on this one. It's peacemaker specific. We're calling it your own opening credits. So we get peacemakers opening credits here. But if you had to make your own opening credits, Peacemaker style, for a show about your life, what song would you pick and what style of dance would it be? Oh, oh, well, it would need to be interpretive dance. It needs to just be very abstract because that's how I feel my life is. And the song could be, I just got married, so I'm very much in the wedding song. So I would say we would never, we will never break by John Legend today. Oh, I love it. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. You got one more roll on the tower. You got a six. 
Number six is wrapped gifts. What is the most memorable wrapped gift you've ever received? Ooh. Um, that's a good question. The one that I remember out of the top, because <laughs> I just did Peacemaker, was Jen Holland gave us these really cute, cute silver necklaces with an eagle on it. And it says Peacemaker 2021 on the other side. I really like sentimental gifts. So I really, really like that. I like sentimental gifts and I like Eagly, so that gift gets my approval. Yes. Let's get into the meat of it now. I always start right here. What is the movie, the performance, personal experience, you name it, that first made you say, I have to be an actor? Such a great question. It was definitely that I had to be an actor that I saw. I was Color Purple on Broadway. I was 15 years old and I had won this um, competition for high schoolers to come to New York for with Bravo Network. They were doing something called Bravo on the Set for Diversity. And they brought like 10 teenagers out with their parents. And my dad had gotten the tickets to see The Color Purple. And that changed my life to see that many Black people, you know, just being so professional and just bringing me to tears with the story uh, in that moment, I remember being like this and I was just bawling. I was like, oh, I gotta do this. And the crazy fun part is that 10 years later, I got to star in the Color Purple revival on Broadway. So that would be my have to do this calling moment. I love that. So a lot happened in between, though. I always love hearing about someone's decision to study in a school setting versus just getting out there and getting industry experience and learning that way. So why was Juilliard the right path for you? Well, to be honest, I didn't know much about Juilliard. I uh, grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. So for me, it wasn't really just go out there because there wasn't much to go to. Uh, <laughs> so for me, I went to a high school, performing arts arts high school. And um, strangely enough, all of the Black girls that came before me, and, and mind you, I graduated in a class of 99, and there was only 15 students in the drama division. So very small. And the three, four Black girls that came before me were all getting into Juilliard. And I was like, I don't know what Juilliard is, but all the black girls going and that was Tiana Paris that was Nicole Bahari and a, a young woman named Stacy Scott and so um I followed their path and at 17 years old got accepted to go there and I'm very glad I did that makes me so happy what a wonderful group Tiana is a former ladies night guest and she is yes. just like freaking bubbling with energy and wildly talented yeah she's that group. great so you study there and it makes me curious what is something that you learned while studying at Juilliard that you find yourself still referring back to today? An important and invaluable lesson. But then what is something that all the training in the world could never have prepared you for when you hit that These first set? Great freaking questions. Um, I would say um, the thing that I got from Juilliard was that your work does not end after an applause. Um, your work continues past that. And that was very important. I think sometimes as actors, you know, sometimes it, it, we can be selfish. And after we get the re receive the gift of getting a standing ovation, we think the work is done, but we have so much more work to do. And it's okay to um, be a little political and it's okay to have something to stand for. And um, I, I definitely take that with me forever. 
um, to your other question, which was, can you remind me one more time? Something that all the studying in the world couldn't have prepared you for. Yes, something that all of the studying in the world could not have prepared me for would be for Orange is the New Black. (laughs) You know, in school, we're taught something called IPA, the International Phonetic Alphabet, and it's supposed to like be like standard American way of speaking and it neutralizes your voice so that you can go from country to doing a British accent to doing all these things. And with orange i just needed to be myself i needed to bring what i knew um there was there there was technical things that i have definitely taken from juilliard to play that character but there were so many things that like i had to let go of the training to play tasty i very much get that So another thing that I love talking about on this show is making big decisions, especially when you're choosing between two great opportunities. And I was reading a little bit about your history, and I read that you were doing, I think, two productions at a Shakespeare Theater Company, and you left them to commit to Orange is the New Black. And, you know, I know we know now that that show is huge and Netflix is the biggest thing in the world, but back then that wasn't the case. So when you were making that decision, was there any, you know, like, should I or shouldn't I, or was it's still a no-brainer that Orange is the New Black was the right move. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely was not the fact that Orange is the New Black was the right move. I, I, I definitely struggled with, uh, I debated on taking the job uh, because at the time I had finally um, gotten to be in uh, regional theater doing A Servant of Two Masters with the director that I, I went to school with. He, he was a teacher of mine and I was in awe that he just allowed me this final to the moment to have this opportunity. I was so thrilled, you know, probably making like a thousand dollars every two weeks or something. And I was so happy. Uh, and, and I, we were on hiatus for two weeks until we were going to our next state. And, um, my team was like, we have this audition for you at the time. It was for one episode. And, um, they were like, we have this audition. I went in, ended up getting the job. And I uh, almost did not take that job because the first scene of Orange, they asked me to be topless because it was a shower scene uh, with with Taylor Schilling. And I said, you got those TV titties in the shower. And I almost didn't take it because I was nervous to have to show the girls. But I ended up not having to show the girls. And uh, I ended up not doing, you know, finishing that, that theater show. Um, but this really, this the opportunity changed my life. And, and in turn gave me this opportunity to be in Peacemaker because James Gunn was a big fan of Orange and in turn liked my work and was like, yo, I would love for you to be a part of my show. And that's how we're here. So James Gunn's got good taste. Yes, he does. <laughs> One more question about Orange here, because this is another part of the process that I'm I'm very interested in hearing more about. What was your approach like to booking other projects in between seasons, projects that, you know, fulfilled your own creative goals at the time, but also looking forward to what life was going to be like after post Orange is the New Black would, you know, give you the opportunities that you would want after the show came to an end? Yeah, I'm very grateful for Orange is the New Black. It definitely launched me into 
Hollywood into this world um, and gave me so many opportunities to follow, you know, getting to be on Girls and High Maintenance and all of these fun guest spots that I was able to do. But the biggest gift they gave me was allowing me the opportunity to do Color Purple on Broadway alongside shooting Orange is the New Black, which is very rare. Um, I'm just so grateful because, I mean, I did not sleep during any of that time because I was shooting 3, 4 a.m. in the morning to 12, 1 p.m. during the afternoon. or And then I would go and do the show in the evening. Uh, so I, I did not get to sleep, but it changed my life. Uh, I ended up getting Tony nominated, winning a Grammy. Um, it just, it, people started to know me as Danielle Brooks and not just Tasty. Um, so there were also moments though, too, Perry, where you're like, I really wish I could do this part and I, you're not allowed to. Um, but for me, uh, I really thank the producers and Gingy for giving me the opportunity to do something that, um, meant the world to me and I will forever be grateful for them for that. I have a million peacemaker questions. So I'm going to take a big leap forward into that now, but I dream too much and the day shall come. Two South by Southwest encounters we had. If anyone out there has not seen those movies, seek those out. All right. The very beginning of Peacemaker now, what was your very first impression of the role going into the audition process? And then how did that first impression compare to the version of the character we see in the final product? You know, Perry, there's something that happens with an actor when they they don't have to audition. So I didn't have to audition for this. James Gunn was just like, you're my girl. But it's terrifying <laughs> because you don't know if you're really what they want. When you audition, you know. You got the audition. They said yes to you. Everybody had to approve you. And they improve, had to approve you um, even if you are uh, chosen. But you still never know until you get on set. So I was terrified in that first few days. I remember the, I think it was first or second day I was on set. James asked me to improv and he had me go and go. Cause he loves, you know, giving people an opportunity to do their own thing. And I improv and it was so funny. James would not stop laughing. He ended up using a lot of it. And uh, Steve AG, my castmate sitting there taping it. We're all breaking character. Uh, we even got Jan Cena to break a little bit, which is very hard. Um, but uh, it, it's it was nerve wracking, and um, but it, it's the cool thing about like you do good work, you do the work so that you can get more work, and that's what Orange did for me. It gave me a chance to to do something so huge in this my next project. Can I guess what that scene was? Yeah, please. It's totally the the group introduction scene, isn't it? I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm absolutely loving it. And I'm thinking like, this is James Gunn being smart and knowing when to let an actor just go. And I could have probably watched that for another like 10 minutes. I really hope that they do that, Perry. We should pitch that to them. Like, because they have outtake. They need to make a whole tape of it. It's so funny. Oh, it was so scary, though. <laughs> I loved it. Came out great. You know, I have to ask you more about those opening credits because, like, I have this problem where I should be going through these episodes quicker and doing more work, but I keep re-watching these damn opening credits. 
what was your very first reaction to finding out what they were be? Were you just like, hell yeah, I'm all in? Or was there a question of like, like, what is this? I was definitely all in, but I'm kind of always all in. But at the same time, I was like, what the hell does this man have me doing? I don't know. Especially because like Jen Holland started coming on set, like doing some of the moves, but I had not gone to take the choreography classes yet. So I'm like, what the heck is this movement? I don't know what, but I'm down. I always say yes before I say no. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> uh, but it was really cool to like see it come together and then watching, you know, the neighbor do his version of it, you know, versus Chikuti's version versus Steve's version. It was, it was a lot of fun. It is so, so perfect. Going back to James now, what would you say is a defining quality of a James Gunn set? Something that makes it different from any set you've ever been on. Mm, it's efficient. Not that I haven't been on other sets that way, but like we do French hours, which are 10 hour days and he gets it done. That man knows what he wants and he gets it done and his crew do as well. And that's been really cool to like, not feel like you're wasting time. You know, that's not, that's not fun uh, for anybody in any job. So uh, I would say that he runs a very tight ship. And uh, he knows exactly what he's looking for. And I, I love that. Can you maybe give us an example of a scene where you would have thought it would have taken a lot longer, but because of that efficiency, it happened really quickly. But then then maybe give us a sense of when James breaks that rule, like a moment that required a little more playing around and workshopping. <laughs> I would say um, there was like a big explosion scene and there was a moment where it just was not the, the the thing that was supposed to explode was not really exploding the way it was supposed to. But yet, you know, him, he the way that in which he communicates with his crew, they were able to get it done in no time without wasting time. But then you have moments with the improv scene that I do in the first episode where he took time. When I tell you this man had me in problem, probably for like a good 20, 30 minutes straight, just laughing. He would be on the mic, be like, okay, Danielle, I want you to, <laughs> I want you to, <laughs> he couldn't even get it out. And so there are moments where, you know, he will allow the actor to do what they need to do and take that time. His instincts are on a point. That's why he's one of my favorite filmmakers. All right, let's get into Adebayo in particular now. Specifically, I got to ask about her being Amanda Waller's kid. I don't I don't know if there's a plan to show more of this in the future, but you know, just for your own head going into this this particular season, did you have to figure out what it must have been like for her to grow up as her daughter, you know, kind of like figuring out maybe specific memories, qualities of their dynamic when she was younger, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, those are definitely things that actors are, like, running through their head about, you know, and, and especially for the way in which we display it, um, it's more internal than we get to share with the audience what that is. And that would be so cool to, like, for season two, especially because I love Viola Davis. Who doesn't? We're South Carolina girls uh, and Juilliard girls. Uh, how cool would it be to, like, go into their past in, in, in a similar way that we do with Peacemaker. Um, so I definitely hope that James 
Gunn explores that in season two. Um, but yeah, it, it's this whole um, uh, internal struggle with dealing with her mom and having to be grateful for this job that so that she can provide for her family, her wife. Um, but at the same token, it's like trying to operate in a in a way that she knows is best for her and 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 what's right for her to do um and not just what her mother's telling her to do which brings such a beautiful parallel between her Adebayo and Peacemaker they're both struggling with the same thing they're so freaking different but yet their um biggest challenge right now is the same challenge um and so it's really cool to see how they navigate Get, navigated and, and how they both have to be honest with each other and push each other for, for push each other forward. My big hot take on Adebayo is that she is basically the rat catcher of Peacemaker where she's just like oozing with heart and has that ability to connect with all of the characters in the whole group and push everyone forward. So that's, awesome. that's part of the reason why you're my favorite in this and why Danielle's Thank my you. favorite in this. Can I just take you with me and I'll press? Because that was really nice. I just need to Definitely. like have you be a bug in my ear. <laughs> uh, let's get into some spoilers. We're running this later on. So have no fear. All of this will be run at the proper time and labeled properly so episode five the bomb explosion there please paint a picture of the reality of shooting one of those you know like running away from an explosion scene is it as badass as it looks on screen on set or are there like technicalities that make it weird and make you think i can't believe this is what it takes to make it look like that in the final product i'm in awe again of the crew they were phenomenal like and kept us safe too you know um, but it was as cool as it looks like it is a green screen behind us, but like you do hear all the fire and see fire and, 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 and I have video on my phone because I was like, please record this. We got to record this. this is so cool. You know? Um, but the technicalities of it is just simply simple things like of when me and John Cena are jumping, like making sure you, and with guns at that making sure we don't cover our faces. And those are things like that made me have to do it. Like two, I try to take pride in not having to take many takes, but I'm still learning. I had to do it three or four times. And John Cena gets it on the first one because he's been so used to doing these type of things. So I'm learning those technical ways of moving in action uh, and how to fall properly, those things that I was taught in Julia, but I have not used in years. So just being retaught uh, a, a lot of things, but it, it was a lot of, it's much fun watching it. It is shooting for sure. I like hearing that. Another episode five thing, the planting of the diary. I guess, what was it like filming that scene and figuring out what was going through her head in the moment and how how you wanted her to react to what she was doing herself, just in terms of, you know, either going about it with authority and confidence in her mind versus hesitation? How did you figure out the right balance between conveying those two feelings in her? Yeah, that's a good question. It is. It was exactly that. This internal struggle um, that she was going through. And, and I think what keeps running through my mind is like you have this person that you're connecting with and that has finally opened up to you in your in your vicinity. And 
you also have the history of your mom in the back of your head too. So it's, it's this tug of war of what's right and what's wrong. And, um, and so I think that was what kept me. It's like, I have this person right in front of my face who just made me this drink, even though it was horrible, uh, <laughs> made me this drink and has opened up to me. And, and then I need, it's my mother. And that we think we all have that, that thing, you know, especially it's just like, you you want to do right by your parents. You want them to be proud of you. You want to do, you know, just make them proud. And, um, and so that was that in, internal struggle with, with the diary and then trying to write her wrong after the fact too, you know, it's like you build this trust to just break it down. But, um, luckily there, there are opportunities to redeem yourself. And I think that's what this is about too, is redemption. Absolutely. All right. I got an episode question for you now. Uh, episode seven question for you. The the fight between Adebayo and Harcourt in the, in the uh, motel room. Why, for your own head, was that the right moment for her to finally come clean to someone about who her mother was? Is Is something like that just coming from the heat of the moment? Or did Harcourt just suddenly feel like the right person to her? That's a good question. You asked a lot of good questions. I think it's more so the heat of the moment. It's almost like having that Coke bottle that, or, you know, a, a better example is like, we, I just went on the beach. This is a horrible example, but maybe it's a good one. I don't know. But just this example of the champagne bottle we had on the beach and it's starting to overheat and that top busted open. And I think it's just like that. It's she just could not take it anymore. She is fighting these butterflies. She has her wife in her ear, her mother in her ear. She's losing friends. She's about to lose her own life. You know, all of these things were just filling up in her. And Harpo, Harpo, excuse me, uh, Hardcore happened to be that person there. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that she, I think if, I hope it's safe to say that, you know what? I don't even, I don't even think I can say it's just, she happens to be the person there. I think it was specific to her being there. Um, because I don't think she could have opened up to vigilante, um, or, you know, Steve's character. I don't think she could have. Um, so maybe it was also like a, a woman to woman moment of like, sister, please understand my burden right now. <laughs> That's why I asked the question. I, I felt, uh, I felt both being true in the moment and then the satisfaction that comes with seeing how Harcourt responds and grows herself after that. I'm like, yes, yeah. like, this was exactly right. Needed to happen. Yeah. You, we definitely needed to have it though, because I just would have hated to like walk away from it and just have two women be at each other for the whole season. Like, what does that serve? You know, we have enough housewives of Atlanta moments that we need a moment of women coming together for sure. Not comparing the two, but you know. <laughs> I absolutely loved that quality of season one. I'll squeeze in one more because I know you got to go. But so just for the future, I haven't seen the final episode just yet. So maybe that episode will address this more. But is there any chance that you think that she can commit to 
this line of work, or actually maybe this is a more interesting way to get at it. What do you think drove her to, what do you think drove her dedication to running an animal shelter? And how does that compare to the drive she might feel for doing this line of work at the end of the season? Damn, that's a deep question. (laughs) But it's a good one. Um, This line of work, I feel like because, because at the end of the day, she is trying to fight peace and there is good in her. It is not just a job, even though it might have started out that way for her, but the same way in which she loves to take care of animals or people or family, that's the same thing I think she is discovering with this new job is the core of that, of what she used to do is still in this new job. It just, you might sacrifice your life doing it, but uh, <laughs> but it's still taking care of people and, and making a world better. Um, and so I hope that she definitely stays doing this line of work uh, because Danielle would love to stay doing this type of work, so... And Perry would like to see Danielle continue doing this work and continue watching Peacemaker as well. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. You. The Suicide Squad was one of my favorite movies of 2021. So I went into this with like two high expectations and you guys met those expectations. And now I have another thing from James Gunn's DC brain to absolutely adore. So thank you and congratulations. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you, Perry. You're really great. 